It's so fun when you get up to preach and you're like, oh man, I wonder if we should just keep doing worship and let Linda pray a few more times and, and uh, greet each other. Uh, so good to see you. I love that experience of getting to watch everybody say hello, at, you know, because I think church really is meant to be more like family than anything else. And one of the things that I, that I love that really just touched me during this last uh, song was I've known Emma, who was singing David's Wife, for, since she was like 11, 10, 11 years old. Um, and to see her singing that song and the words of that song, I mean, oh, it was just so powerful. And it just reminded me as Linda was praying also that that's part of why I think we don't give up. That's part of why we push through the hard times is that we, when we get to see the stories that God unfolds and many times, most of the time in his scripture, just like we see at the Christmas story, it might happen over generations, over decades, over centuries even. I mean, this is, we pick up in the Christmas story some 400 years after the Old Testament ends. It's not like God wasn't doing anything, but at least biblically, there's that gap. And that's the way that God acts and moves so often. And so um, I just want to encourage you, maybe if you're in that, that t- thing like Linda was talking about, where maybe, you know, letting go, giving up, not believing, just maybe push through and see what God might want to do. Because I think that part of it is so powerful and so important. Um, and so with that, we're jumping right back into the Christmas story this morning. It's going to be really fun. We've been at the uh, oddly, we spent three weeks, which I don't think this is normal. We spent three weeks in like the be- very beginning of Mary's pregnancy, you know, like finding out in maybe the first few months. And so now we're like full speed ahead into uh, delivery and Jesus, you know, on scene. We'll obviously be talking about that on the 24th and then next Sunday looking at the Magi and who they are and all of the uh, interesting components about that. But we jump into the story today and it's really... Um, I don't know about you, some of you adults in here, if you remember the first time that you, your, for me, wife, but as a family, y'all were pregnant, right? And you look at Mary and you just can't help but feel bad for Mary all across this whole story, right? Uh, she finds out she's, I mean, yes, she gets to give birth to Jesus, so there's redemption there, of course, right? But all, all the, the whole story is like, gosh, poor Mary, you know, in the society like uh, we talked about. Um, already that, you know, the honor society that she was just pushed aside and ashamed. We'll see that a little bit this morning. And then to add to it, they make this trek to Bethlehem. That's like, depending on the way they traveled between 70 to 90 miles long. Um, And just so you know, no airplanes, no cars back then. We like to add donkeys into the story. That may or may not have been true. Uh, But even if it was a donkey, I don't know if you've ever been around one, that's not an enjoyable experience for an eight or nine month, you know, into their pregnancy lady. Uh, when When we were pregnant with Dylan, Mindy's doctor said, I'll just tell you up front, pregnancy is one month too long right? It's like everybody's ready right at the end of eight months, right? All the ladies are like, oh yeah, right? But it's one month too long. But this is right where we enter into the story today with Mary. She's just made this trek at like eight months or so, eight, nine months, because it says when she arrived in Bethlehem, she was ready, you know, at that time to give birth. And that whole experience is just a crazy experience when I think back and look back to it. Um, If you've had kids, you know, that first baby, there's so much nervous energy just floating around those last couple of months, right? And you can imagine, 
in this whole scenario, just how that is exasperated. We had a little bit of uh, experiences where we can relate at least to some degree with Mary and Joseph, um, because Mindy's, when uh, Dylan was born, uh, was eight days late. And those eight days, we were calling every day trying to get into the hospitals that we signed up. And guess what? There was no room at the hospitals. So, um, so no, not necessarily the inn, but since she gave birth there, we're going to go with it's the same exact thing, okay? Uh, and so we waited and waited and waited. And M- Mindy, of course, is miserable. It's just a bad experience all around. And this is Mary coming in. Now, I'm sure Mary, for the people that were willing to talk to her, had already gotten every bit of advice, all those kind of things, just like we experienced. We read every single book that is known to man. Well, I, I should have said Mindy read every single book known to man about birthing and child rearing and stuff during those nine months. I read a few of them. Uh, we went to classes together, you know, at the very beginning, uh, which we never did for any of our other children because we found out that actually having kids is your training. Uh, the, the, the books are helpful sometimes, but when you have kids, that's actually your training for the other ones. So we're hoping to get it right with Sarah because she's the last one. Um, and so, you know, that whole experience. And this is where we enter in this morning into the story with Mary and Joseph. They're in Bethlehem. They've made it. Jesus' arrival onto the scene is about to happen. But what we're going to jump into is not actually the story with Mary and Joseph quite as much, although have a lot of sympathy for them, but it's the story of the shepherds who are out in the field. And I know when we get to the Christmas season, there's a lot of You know, however old you are, you've heard the story at least that many times, right? If not more. But I want to encourage you to just kind of join in in the story where the story is and see if God might want to just show up, share something with you, encourage you as we're right in the middle of the craziness of Christmas just being three days away. Um, And so take this moment just to take a breath and join in to the story. Okay. If you'll stand with me real quickly, we're going to say the Shema together before we open the scriptures. And the Shema is a declaration. It's uh, found in the book of Deuteronomy. It's something that Jesus would have said at least every morning and evening, maybe in the middle of the day as well. And so we want to join in with the traditions there. It's one of our little family traditions that we have at Riverside as we come into Christmas. We all have those things that are popping up. And so if you're visiting with us, that's a little bit of why we do it. We'll say a little bit in Hebrew and the rest in English. And I want to encourage you that as you say this and share this and speak it, that you would also, like I said, take that moment to take a breath and just be ready for whatever God might have in store for you today. Okay, some of us will raise our pinkies because I'll be honest, it's sad, but it's true. Definitely during Christmas season, we need to be reminded that this is really about Jesus. And in the, in the tiniest part of God's finger, he has enough power to change the whole world, including your life. And it talks about the finger of God doing so many things in the Older Testament. That's how he wrote the first tablets, if you didn't know that, with his own finger. Um, and so that's why we hold that up just as a reminder to help us as we go through this season. So if you'll join with me. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Thank you, friends. You may have a seat. And we're going to jump into the uh, book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 8. If you have your Bibles or you want to use the Bible app and pull that up. And we're going to jump right out into this experience with the shepherds. It says, now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over the flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. So, I love so many things about the Christmas story, and probably my favorite part, to be honest, is uh, that it talks about Jesus stepping into the world, right? Or uh, the word is actually tabernacling among us. So if you think back to the Old Older Testament, the way the message paraphrase that, I love, it says, Jesus moved into the neighborhood, right? Uh, and I love that picture because that's what, really what the story is all about is that it's not about you or I finding our way, making our way to God, but it's about him continually stepping right into the middle of where we are, of who we are, of where we live, right? One of the things I love about this part of the story is it's not only does Jesus step into our life, but he speaks to us in the field, right? The shepherds are out in the field, they're out at work, and what happens? God shows up and he speaks, right? And I don't know if, if this is true of you or if you struggle with this, but that's how God loves to work. He's actually at that all the time as we're just going, I mean, like Linda's stories are perfect um, stories about that. She's just going along her day, I need an envelope, right? And talking to God and boom, God shows up and does something, right? I mean, that's how God functions so much of the time. And one of the things that I think we can't miss about the story of the shepherds is that the shepherds were just out at work on a normal day. And God shows up and he speaks. And a lot of times, having done this for 20-something years, but have the opportunity to be a pastor, I've talked with so many people that that's a story. I don't feel like God is speaking to me. I don't sense God's any, God anywhere. I don't see him at work around me. And I just want to encourage you that that is just not true. God is always speaking. He's always moving. He's always at work. And I think he really wants to speak to us just in the normal every day, all throughout our day as we go. Uh, I think of one of the most significant moments that I, in my life, uh, was when I felt called to go into the ministry. Um, it was about 22 years ago. I was an 18-year-old knucklehead. 
but I really felt like God was saying, uh, there was this thing there, this calling, this drawing, this pulling, and maybe you've experienced something like that in life, whether it's towards whatever you do as a vocation, towards starting a ministry or starting a nonprofit or whatever that might be. Like, God, maybe God's pulled at you in some way, and I felt that pulling. But I just, I was like, God, I just want to hear from you. I just want to, right? And I'm doing like most of us do. I'm waiting for this literal experience, right? God, I'm asking you, are you going to show up with the angels and right? That whole deal. And that's what I'm waiting for. Come on, come on, where are you at? Where are you at? And the funny thing is when I look back over time now, um, you know, hindsight's always 2020. I can actually look at all of these different times where God was confirming and saying, but I wasn't, I was looking for this one thing and so I wasn't paying attention, right? Then one day I'm driving in the car with my mom. Um, And so for some of you who know my my story, I was the first person in my family that became a follower of Jesus um, as a middle schooler. And so later on in high school, because of uh, learning just to follow the Lord and be faithful as best I could as a teenage knucklehead, my family started coming to church with me because they were like, you're a different person, we want to check this out, and eventually came to follow Jesus themselves and give their lives to Jesus. And so I'm driving in the car with my mom, and I'm talking about this thing that I thought, there's no way anybody in my family would actually be like, yes, you should become a pastor, right? I mean, we're, no, it's like, no, you need to go be a lawyer. You need to go do all these other kind of things, right? Um, And I'm talking about this kind of just draw, this pulling that I had on my heart. And my mom looks over and just clearly goes, Jason, I think you really need to do that. I think you need to follow that pulling. And to me, in that moment, it was just my mom saying something. But it could have been like angels showing up and, oh, right? Because my mom, I would never have expected my mom to direct me to where God wanted me to be. And she wasn't a bad person, but like, I mean, she was newer in their faith and just trying to figure it right, all that kind of stuff. And so that was a huge, huge moment for me. And I think we all have those things all the time. I think as we're just walking around, as we're experiencing life, we, we sense things, we hear things, but sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we're looking for something different, right? I think God shows up in this way to these shepherds for a very specific reason, And I think it's because not so much that the shepherds wouldn't miss the message, but I don't think he wants us to miss the message. And so that's, I think, why he shows up in such a big way like this. But it's important, especially during the Christmas season, because we know that during this time of the year, there's a lot of people that struggle. There's a lot of people that are suffering, that are hurting, maybe because they've lost family members because of things that they're going through maybe because of family strife and hurt and pain, all of these different things. And it's important to know and not miss that God wants to speak to you in the field. Whatever your field is, God is speaking to you. And he wants you to hear. He wants you to experience him. And one of the the plugs, I'm just going to give a shameless plug because I'm shameless, so it just is what it is. But um, there's some of these cards out front, um, and this is just some information from our prayer ministry. Some of our prayer team will be up front at the end of the services, and so if you're sitting here going, yeah, Jason, that's me. I'm, 
I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I don't feel like I've heard from God ever or lately. Come up, just take that brave step to come up and let some folks join in with you and pray with you. If you'd like to maybe meet somebody another time during the week and do a prayer appointment, these are up there. If you'd like to, you know, get more information about training later on in the future about how to hear from God, then these are great opportunities. You can just go grab one. Nobody has to know. You can fill it out, turn it in, not, right? But just take a, take a step, take a brave step because God is showing up in your life, in your story, in your field, just like he was back then. He doesn't change. He's the same. And so he wants to speak to you. He wants to meet you. He wants to show you who he is, and he wants you to know him. And so take that brave, brave step. So we're here in this part of the story just because these shepherds are out working. They're faithful. They went to work, right? It's Tuesday, and they showed up at work. That's basically the story at this point. And God shows up and, bah, right, this whole deal. So if we continue on with the story, this is actually my favorite part of the story because we see how they respond. So Luke chapter 2, the, starting verse 15, we'll continue on with the story. It says, when the angels left them and went, and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, that the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. When they saw him, they related what they had been told about the child, and all who heard were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering in her heart what they might mean. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was just as they had been told. Now, so many times when I'm reading the Scripture, uh, you know, I know the Scripture can be difficult to read sometimes, and we can get bogged down in it a lot, but when we just kind of step back and just kind of enjoy the story, like I'm that person when I go to the movies, at least the first time I see a movie, I'm not trying to critique anything unless it's just blatantly bad, right? But I'm not trying to critique it. I'm just like, I just want to enjoy the show, right? Um, and that's kind of, if we approach the Scriptures like that a little bit, it's so, I mean, it's so funny, the things that jump out. There's times that I read stuff and I'm like, is anybody else reading this? This is really funny. So like the angels show up, oh, da, 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 right, go over here. And what do the shepherds do? So uh, you guys want to go check this thing out? Right, I mean, that's the funniest part of the whole story. Like, what, what would you do? I we like to think, oh, if, if, angels showed up and said, go over to Bethlehem and go find this, that we would just jolt running like there's no questions asked. Let's do it. Shepherds are like, so there's this thing that the angels told us about. Well, should we go? I don't know. Okay, let's go, right? And then they go. Uh, and it's, it's really funny just the way that stuff unfolds throughout the story so many times. And I think this is an important part because Jesus is looking for people willing to go see this thing that God is doing. And I don't think that has changed. Um, I heard, had somebody, uh, anyway, uh, I don't think that's, that's changed at all, right? He's looking for those people who are just willing, they're just available and open to go, mm, seems like God's doing something over there. Let's go check it out, Right? I was, I was talking with uh, Susie before the, 
service about all the things going on with Room Redux. And that's exactly how that whole ministry got started was, hey, I feel like something's going up. Okay, let's go, tr- let's go check it out. Let's go see and start. So many admissions, so many things in ministry happen like that and life just happened like that. For me, I know that's true. The things that I've done in life, whether it was being a part of planning a church, ending up here at Riverside and on staff was just things like, huh, seems like God's doing something. Maybe I should check that out and just see what he does, right? Uh, one of the really cool things that, that I did for a season, there was about seven years that I was coaching. Uh, and of course, it was lined up with my kids being in things, right? But I felt like, okay, I should, when I have the opportunity, when I'm asked, I should coach. So of course, what happened to me In seven years, I went back and counted, I coached 28 different teams in seven years, or different seasons, different teams, right? Um, Yeah, stupid. That's really what it is, right? But it was awesome. But it was awesome. And all that that was about was me going, you know what, here's the thing that I can do that I enjoy. I feel like there's a need and something going on here. I'll just step in and see what happens. And I'll tell you, over those seven years, the connections I made with people, with families, getting to love on them, getting to be a part of 28 different teams. So you throw in however many kids on every one of those teams, right? All of those kids' lives to encourage them and lift them up, not to scream and berate them on the sideline, but to instead lift them up and encourage them to somehow be the best version that they, of themselves they can be, Right? And that was a really amazing, and, and all that was was just, okay, seems like something's going on here maybe. Maybe I'll just step, step into that. And I don't think that any of that has changed. In fact, on Thursday, there was a group of guys out here smoking some turkeys because one of the guys in our community had an opportunity where he was to help some families that were in need and said, I don't have any clue how this is going to happen, but I'll take it on. Shared it with somebody, and it grew into a bunch of guys getting together, smoking turkeys, preparing stuff for families in need in our community. It was just in the field, being open, listening, and being available to step into and go check this thing out that God might be doing. I mean, I get the privilege of, as I'm saying this, looking around at your faces, and there's like a hundred million stories just right here in this room of those things being true. And so we we just have to notice and see those things that are happening, that are going on in this story that are really beautiful. Because maybe God's saying something to you, maybe God's showing something to you, and all he's asking for you to do is just like these shepherds go, hey, let's go check this out and just be faithful, right? Because so much of the time, that's actually how God works. Just be faithful, just be faithful. Another neat thing about these shepherds, and I'll share a few things about these shepherds and why God would show up to speak to these shepherds. Um, You may have heard before that the shepherding at this time was a like despised, lowly profession. Uh, That's actually not true in the first century. That writing comes from like the fifth and sixth century and beyond. So in the first century, while it wasn't like, hey, I want to grow up and be a shepherd, you know, it wasn't like that kind of a thing. It was just kind of a low middle class, you know, society. Uh, But it wasn't despised. It wasn't looked down on. 
Um, I don't know that God showed up to these shepherds to tell us, hey, because these shepherds were there, anybody, this is open to anybody, right? I don't know that that's actually a part of it. I think there might be a little bit of a reality there, but I think the main point is actually who these shepherds are. And one of the things that's really important in this process is that we understand that no matter what society says or shows us or where the society puts us, our identity isn't defined by these people being shepherds. Their identity was set, and as a result, they were the shepherds that we see in the story. And so as God shows up into our lives, he wants us to experience his identity so he can in turn redeem our identity. And one of the things that's a challenge that I think may have even been a challenge for these shepherds, because let's be honest, they were probably the youngest people in their family, young girls, maybe a a younger boy like a David you think of in the scripture, the youngest out there watching these, these sheep. They were just out there doing their thing. And they probably were there at work like many of us many times go to work and we just go, okay, let's go to work and take care of the sheep again. Let's go to work and take care of the da-da-da-da-da that I have to take care of, whatever that is for you, right? It's probably a little bit of a reality that they were experiencing. But God shows up to them, I think, for a very specific reason that I want to show you just a little bit. So they're the youngest in the culture. As the youngest, they would be expected to care for things like the sheep, the animal, eat you know, each other. There was an expectation of caring that would have been involved there. But the real story about these shepherds is that they were probably very likely, I can't say 100% for sure, but very, very likely, the shepherds who were watching over the sheep that would be used for the sacrifices in the temple. Um, There's just a lot of writing Um, that would indicate that. There's uh, indicators in this actual story about them living out in the field. And there's only really two reasons why they would live out in the field with the sheep. And that's if they were, uh, it was lambing season, they were going to be giving birth, right? Or if these were the sheep for the temple that needed to be watched at all times so that they would be perfect and blameless and available for sacrifice, Okay, um, the timing of it, because they're in the fields and the Greek word there is also really specific that they're in the field that would have been used for crops, which they only would do after the harvest season, which would make it less likely that they were actually there for, during the birthing season, because the birthing season would have been before the crops were taken up typically. Uh, so there's just a lot of little indicators for what I'm about to share with you about who these shepherds are. So these shepherds are very likely the people who are faithfully guard the sheep for the temple sacrifice. They are the ones who work in the field so that others can worship. That's what they do for a living. That's part of who they are. That's part of their lifestyle. They probably missed out many times on temple worship because they were their jobs of taking care of these sheep maybe being considered unclean at certain times, all of those kind of things. Uh, If you want to give a modern day picture of what this might be like, uh, this might sound funny, but if you've ever done this, you know it's true. They might be more like modern day children's volunteers or youth volunteers 
right, who oftentimes are missing out on what might be going on in here because they're loving on what's, who's back there, right? They're taking care of, looking after, guarding, investing in, right? And so there's a lot of that picture that might make sense for you. Um, and these sheep that they would have used would be the sheep that would be used for the temple, for sacrifices, for covering the sins of people, all of this kind of stuff right? It's this really beautiful picture. So here's why I say all that. So of course God would show up to these people, right? If Jesus is this lamb, the one we sang these songs about earlier, if he's the one who is the lamb of God who would be sacrificed to cover our sins, of course, God would show up to give a picture to the shepherds that were doing just that for everything they knew up to that point, right? So it's less like, oh, why did God show up to these poor shepherds? And it's more like God saying, hey, don't miss this, right? Don't miss this. Why did they go in and they were excited and they were telling everybody? Why did they leave praising and all these kind of things? Because I think they actually got the story that a lot of times we miss, right? It's because the truth about these shepherds is they experience God and they realize that their identity is that they actually were good shepherds. And because they were good shepherds, they ended up being shepherds, right? This is actually true about most of us. Right? Our identity a lot of times leads us towards a vocation, right? And that's why sometimes we end up in a vocation that we hate because our identity and our vocation doesn't match, right? But if we look for our identity and our vocation, then we'll miss our identity, right? And so there is a little difference here that the shepherds were faithful, good shepherds watching over the lamb, the sheep, for the sacrifice. And God redeems their faithfulness by showing them the lamb for all of us in Jesus. And then what does it say they do? They return. I don't know about you, but I think if I just experienced all this, my thought would not be like, oh man, we better hurry up and get back to the sheep, right? But that's who they were. They were good shepherds. They returned back to the sheep so that other people could worship, so that other people could experience God the way that they knew how to at that time. All of this is like God flashing huge, big neon lights. Or if you're like me, you might say like the new loft sign, right? If you've seen the new loft sign, big old flashing, right? Big old bright thing. You can't miss it when you drive by. That's what God's doing. So, of course, he would send these people, these shepherds, to go be a part of the story because he would be afraid if he didn't that we would miss the story, right? Of course, he would send the shepherds who are taking care of the sheep who would then also represent Abraham and Isaac and Moses and David who were also all good shepherds, right? So we would see a picture of the connection. Of course, they would be in the town of David because 
Jesus is supposed to come from the line of David, right? There's all of these pictures that are coming together. And of course, because they actually are good shepherds, God would send them to care for, to love, to look after a new mom and a baby boy who would be the savior of all the world because that's already who they were. That's what they did every day. Take care of, love, nurture, right? There's so many beautiful pictures. Their job, one of their main jobs was to take care of the injured sheep. And so, of course, they go take care of Mary and Jesus, who ultimately Jesus would take care of our hurts, our brokenness, our pain, right? All of these things that just fit together because God doesn't want us to miss that this is what Christmas is all about. This is the story. So that all for all time, Christmas can be about good news that brings great joy to all people. A Savior was born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. So that this Christmas, no matter what field you find yourself in today, you can hear from and experience God. So that this Christmas, we don't have to believe lies about who we are, but we can hear from God about who you are made to be and live into that, into whatever field that God places you in. So that when you see God at work around you, you can be a good shepherd that just says faithfully, well, let's go check this out and see how we might be a part of God's story. So as we're just three days away from Christmas, and as it's all crazy, what better time to just take a step back, take a breath, be reminded from the shepherds, of what this big, beautiful story really is. And that God today wants to catch you right where you are, speak to you, and draw you in to his story. Maybe in a brand new way, maybe for the first time, maybe for the millionth time. But as we go from today through Christmas, I wanna encourage you to be open to be available, and to be willing when you hear him call.